welcome to the Trailer Island Podcast. I'm your host, Alex, and I'm joined by... Matthew. And Steve. My wonderful co-host. How are we all today? Oh, we're lovely. We're doing well. Yeah, this is a really, really nice March day. <laughs> You've got your months mixed up, mate. I don't know what's going uh, on. It's a really, really nice current month insert here day. <laughs> yeah. To Thanks, Steve. That's fantastic. So, gentlemen, we are here to talk about films and their trailers, and we are on the Trailer Island podcast, and I guess we're here to compare films with their trailers and did the film live up to what the trailer promised it's a podcast about expectations mm. and and I think, yeah and if they were met and and also i think the very in three opinions we will have as well i think we'll all have different mm. expectations from trailers and different reactions yeah and i guess the best thing to do now is ask who would like to introduce the first film i wouldn't mind doing that if that's if no one has any objections Okay, would we, um, should we listen to a bit of the trailer yeah, first? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's have a listen to a bit of the trailer for... Matt, what, what movie is it? We're going to be talking about 1917. Roll it! You have a brother in the 2nd Battalion. Yes, sir. They're walking into a trap. Your orders are to deliver a message calling off tomorrow morning's attack. If you fail, it will be a massacre. We've got orders to cross here. That is the German front line. If we're not clever about this, no one will get to your brother. I will. Oh, very dramatic, isn't it? I only watched that trailer for the first time today. Oh, really? Yeah. You didn't see the trailer at all before you saw the film. I really didn't get opportunity to. Because you were very excited for the film. No, I wasn't. Oh, okay. No, I, no, no, I thought no. you were. I happened upon this film. I okay. Uh, a friend of mine got free early screening tickets. I mean, like really early, early. We're talking maybe November, and I hadn't had, had a, hadn't had a chance to sit down and watch that uh, trailer. So I went into that movie absolutely blind. The only thing I knew about this movie, and it was like word of mouth sort of thing, that it was a one shot. You don't get that from any of the trailers, do you? No, that, no. It's, that it's a one-shot film. It's funny that you say that having you knew that going in because I think you told me about that because I'd seen the trailer and thought this is just a standard mm. sort of cut standard war film. Mm. And it wasn't until you mentioned that I thought, oh, really? It's going to be a continuous shot? Because mm. I, yeah. I, I know Sam Mendes did that at the beginning of Spectre. So I knew he'd done little bits of it, but not for a whole film. That sort of struck me as a, a weird thing to do, especially in a war film because I thought, how can you cut action and get pacing? If it's done as a continuous shot, so having seen the trailer, I assumed that it was would maybe sections would be continuous shot, but not the whole thing. I think that trailer actually does sort of undersell that cinematography aspect of it as well. I think so. In I that think. it doesn't advertise the fact that it is one shot, and it doesn't no. advertise no. how good of a one shot film but it's, it is. It's funny you say that actually, because I think if we think about the end of that trailer, which I think is the title of the film, um, which is you can see the vision through it, and the rest of it's black, mm. of him running along the the trench. Um, that kind of alludes to it, but you, when you watch a trailer, you don't pick up on it. No. So when you no. go back and you go, oh, okay, so that's kind of sort of setting up this idea of, you know, t uh, everything's going to be done in real time kind of thing, like these long, long shots and everything. There's something about a one-shot film that makes me nervous. <laughs> yeah. Does, do, you, do you sort of get that, like, you're like, oh, can they pull it off? But, but they're nervous. releasing it as a film, so obviously they yeah. have pulled it off. But I, I think maybe, am I nervous that I'm going to get bored because it's a one-shot? Like I understand where you're coming from, and I think that's just the climate we're sort of in at the moment. Mm. Like, one-shot films have sort of been... I don't want to say overdone, but it's not an old. It's not a new concept. 
No. Like, it's been done a lot. I think that the most, other than 1917, the other film um, that really springs to mind that did it successfully was Birdman. And that's done as a continuous shot. And I, I remember thinking that one worked because it was on such a small yeah. scale. Yeah. So when, when this came along and, and I heard that it was a continuous shot, I thought, how, how, how can you do yeah. such an epic film but not cut? Because the scale of this film is immense. It is. There's a lot of travelling. I don't want to jump ahead in the discussion at all, but I do want to touch on that. Do you think the draw card for this film was, A, the scale in one shot of it, or was it the actual Oscars sort of draw, draw card that actually mm. drew audiences to this film? Because it does have, you know, the Sam Mendes, the Roger Deakins yeah. involved. Like These are all sort of Oscar names now. So the director was... Uh, Sam Mendes, and he, I mean, originally he got his big break, I think it's fair to say, from American Beauty, I oh, think. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Which is a great film. And then he's sort of gone on and he's formed a partnership with Roger Deakins, who's mm-hmm. a cinematographer, and they've done quite a bit of work together, together including um, Skyfall. Mm-hmm. And this trailer actually makes a huge point of selling the fact that this is the same director as Skyfall. Mm. And I think, again, it's coming... Not Spectre. <laughs> not, not, not Spectre, but that's another conversation. But I think it's interesting that this trailer, in that we, which we heard at the beginning of this, it sort of has that the whole story in the trailer at the beginning. It does. It condenses yeah. it within, yeah. what, that's 30 the, seconds. That's the entirety of the story. There's no twist or anything. There's nothing really like that. It's just they're going to deliver this message to save this, this mm-hmm. brother character from yeah. sort of falling into a trap. So I feel like the, the trailer was, like you say, trying to sell us on this idea. It's got all this huge talent behind it and also a couple of actors in it like Colin Firth who's in the trailer and um, I think Benedict Cumberbatch is in the trailer as well big names are only in it like 10 like 5 minutes at most I mm. think yeah they I mean they are not the feature characters in the film at all and I mean if you thinking about I think what there were 3 trailers released for this mm-hmm. I'm not sure how they differed much I know one, one made a, yeah I know one made a big point out of the, the plane crash that, okay. was, that was like the feature right. of that trailer from memory. The first um, one really stuck out because it was it was this wonderful transition from that big one shot along the trenches into the actual title card. Yeah, which I yeah. think is sort of now entering internet culture as well. I've seen a SpongeBob trailer with that done as well, which <laughs> is very good. The big buzz around this film was that it was one shot. Mm. That's what everybody was talking about. Yeah, that it was yeah. done in this amazing one shot, and it is a technical, brilliant feat. Like if you look at the behind the scenes. It's phenomenal how well, they achieve this. That's the thing this. I think we should we should mention is they do pull it off incredibly, oh, incredibly well. Um, I think because I think like a lot of us, when I was sitting, I was trying to sort of lose myself in the film, but at times I was going, I was, I was watching it, going, okay, yeah. where, how have they done it? And and I had had to is for the most part, it's done well enough that you don't find yourself falling into that trap. You can mm-hmm. just sit there and let it happen. Yep. Um, and I think that's when you know it's working is when you're not looking for the trick. You just let it impress you you know you lose yourself yeah. into it do you think that if you had only just watched the trailers and not read about it at all that you would know that this film was one shot i don't think so i, I certainly didn't from the first trailer i like i said i, I didn't think it'd be done definitely that not no yeah no i think i think the environments within those trailers change enough like you can see daytime you can see nighttime mm. you'd never ever go mm. oh, i'm i'm definitely certain this is a, a, a one shot film you'd you'd always assume to yourself, well, they've definitely done some cuts along. And I think the brilliant thing about it as well is I think the film is is hoping that you go into it not knowing because the way, it's, you know, the way it starts, it's that close-up of them at the tree and then they very gradually go into the, the trench and then you sort of, if you didn't know going in, you wouldn't realise initially that it was going to not cut. It's not until they, I think they get to the base of like this ramp going down into the trench and then the camera just pivots around them as opposed to cutting. You go, mm. okay, so we're still rolling on this seemingly one take. 
yeah. and then it just keeps going and it gets more and more impressive as essentially they descend into the this battleground from yeah. this serene environment into this sort of hellish one and you go that's all appears to be no no cuts in there at all yeah as someone who you know has watched plenty of film and studied film as well you sort of go okay i went in knowing that yeah. it's one shot but i know that it's you know they are very cleverly stitching yeah. shots together yeah. and i did find myself looking at it and going I reckon that was a cut. Yeah. Oh, I reckon that but was a cut. There was one where he gets into the back of that truck. And, and, and I, again, it was just one of those moments where I didn't want to fall into the trap of trying to pick it apart. I was like, I'm sure there's a, there's a cut in yeah. there somewhere as it goes behind someone. I definitely wasn't taken out of the experience looking for those cuts. I, I sort of enjoyed myself going, oh, yeah, I, I, now I picked that. I picked that. I picked <laughs> yeah. that as well. Definitely, it definitely didn't take away from the experience. I appreciated where they cut and why they had the cut there as well. Mm. I definitely didn't think like, it didn't take me out of the experience. No. And I think that's that's I think more on the shoulders of Roger Deakins than anyone in this oh, film. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's he's done an amazing job with mm. this. Yeah. And like the, the the good comparison is probably Birdman. Yeah. Yeah. In that I always found the one shot in Birdman to be a lot more shaky probably It's, it's much easier to pick apart, that's yeah. for sure. Is Birdman legitimately one shot? Or is it spliced together? Like it's, de- it's definitely, definitely spliced, spliced together. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. But I feel like it was more methodical in this film. It was more I, seamless for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're because they're outdoors for most of it. Like they can't in mm-hmm. in Birdman, they can hide behind corridors and stuff, and there are a lot of people moving around. You can mm-hmm. cut on and sort of disguise it. In this one, because for the most part, you're in such wide open spaces, mm-hmm. you have to be much. Well, I'm assuming they had to be much more clever about the whole thing. I wasn't wasn't there, obviously. I feel like in in Birdman, it was it was a case of the cinematographer going i need to capture capture this action on film mm. i might not be in the right exact place but as long as oh, i okay. get these two characters interacting in such a way i've done my job i feel like with this film though it was roger deakins he had this script in front of him and he's gone okay these are the shots i want to get these are the specific cinematography mm. shots that i want to get and this is how we're going to transition to each shot it's, as well. it's definitely much more I don't want to do a disservice to Birdman, but I feel like this was much more choreographed. And, and I think oh, yeah. it has because, I mean, there are explosions going off, you know, and all and stunts happening and all that kind of thing. And it, it's inevitable at some point that those actors are replaced with stuntmen yeah. at some point to do some of the stuff they're mm-hmm. doing. And they've just managed to seamlessly put that together and you just, either through face replacement afterwards, um, it, it at least appears to be the same person. Which is another through. thing I wanted to touch on. I didn't see a lot of green screen in the making of videos as well. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know if there was. Was there? I don't think there is. I reckon they just sort of went to a farmer I mean, it, in Europe somewhere and said, "Can we use your farm for however <laughs> however long?" I mean, there's definitely CGI. Yeah, I've got, oh, yeah. But it is so well hidden amongst all of that yeah. practical effect that it doesn't matter. Um, I was watching a behind the scenes special effects reel, and in the town, about well, towards the end of the film, when it's uh, nighttime, and in that town is that you know that sequence where he's going towards the church and the Germans coming towards mm. him is that whole church is not there. That's that, right. That's all CG. Oh, right. and, and I was at, I, I just assumed it was real because it looks so... The lighting is, is done yeah. so well around it. And... Which they used a very similar trick mm. from Skyfall. Yeah. yeah. It's the same show. sort of lighting rig up, which is yeah. the, the, um, one of the most amazing shots in that it film, is. which also stands out so much in this film. The point, Matthew, that you touched on about it being nighttime, of course, they leave. The f- start of the film starts during the daytime. Mm. And I guess you could talk about one very obvious cut yes. that does appear during the film, which doesn't hide itself. 
it serves its purpose mm-hmm. within the story without giving mm. too much away. It is used. It's justified. Well, it's yeah. justified to pass time. And at the same time, actually talking about justification, it's very justified. I, I thought the film being a continuous shot would be a gimmick almost, sort of mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. like I said, Sam Mendes had kind of done this at the beginning of Spectre. Now he's going, oh, maybe I could do a whole film mm-hmm. like this. But then when you think about the plot of this film and, and it's literally a race against time, I don't think I've, unlike Birdman, I've never seen a film where it's so it makes so much sense yeah. for it to be a continuous shot right up until that moment we yeah. discussed. That you sort of go, yeah, no, that makes sense as to why they would, like, I can't imagine now them doing it any other way. Definitely, I mean, the main antagonist in the film is time. Yeah. By having that clear cut which advances time, it makes mm-hmm. that deadline for the main character. What's his name? What's the main character's name? I don't name? know. Oh, it's, I, it's, I, George, it's George McKay that plays him, I think, isn't it? Yeah. That? Lance Corporal yeah. Will Schofield. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, his offsider is Thomas Blake. So for them to get to the end of the film that advances time so mm. well, mm. Um, well, I guess the only cut is used so creatively and... Yeah. And it also then proceeds, well, I think, some of the most gorgeous lighting I think I've ever seen in a film. Mm. I did want to talk about that, yeah. is <laughs> Thomas Newman's score oh, in yes. this film. Yes. Um, They're frequent collaborators as well, aren't they? They are, yeah. He's done probably the last five Sam Mendes films, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He's done a few. Just that that nighttime scene of running through the Mm -hmm. burning city with the flares, which were legitimate lighting. I can't believe it was real. And I think it's sort of fair to say at the moment that we are sort of building a general feeling around this film that we all did really enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did, yes. Well, you, you really do feel like you've gone on the journey with these characters. And, and it's one of those films that when I was driving home, it's, it, it was one of the ones that just stay with you and you can't help but think about over and over again. You know, for hours after you've seen it, it really stays with you. Because I think you feel so intimately... It's sort of a, a way I was thinking about um, the camera at one point. It's sort of like you're the, the camera is actually the third person. Mm-hmm, it's, like it's almost yeah. there are three of them going on this journey and you're the third person. Mm. And you, sort of, you really feel like you've been there with them. It's yeah. really, really effective. And they don't, you never really have a point where you can see something that the character can't. Yeah. Mm. Mm. You know, so often they have them. Yeah, that's right. The Mm. camera will show you a risk or something that is going to affect our main character. There's definitely a reason he won the Academy Award. Like every shot in that is just so well precise and set up. Well, even in dialogue scenes, he's been able to, like, you know, go in for your wide shots and he gets the close ups and then reverse shots as well Mm. without cutting. Like, yeah. How do you get reverse shots without cutting in a conversation? Like They've choreographed it so well that it's so seamless that you get one half the conversation from someone's point of view and then someone else's. And it's... Well, they spent like, what, four months yeah. practicing this film I before would, they actually I shot it? could believe it. Because they didn't fall into the trap of just doing all dialogue scenes as wide shots to get everyone in. It's that you go in for the close-ups and they've successfully pulled that off. Talking about Oscar nominations and wins, they mm. won the... Was they, that cinematography? They definitely got cinematography. cinematography yeah. I didn't. I didn't really pay attention to this, but I didn't realize it got best visual effects, and it was up against uh, Endgame, The Irishman, Lion King, and Rise of Skywalker. I mean, if there was a film I thought was going to get it, I thought it would be Endgame. I actually pick. would have thought Lion King, to be honest. I'm, I'm, it's a different conversation as to whether yeah. it works, but the the CGI in the Lion King really looks real for a lot of it. Yeah which is quite impressive. But then again, talking about sort of the fact that it's it's such a simple thing, but the fact that I 100% believed that that church was real. Mm -hmm. And then when I found out that it was an effect, I went, no, surely not. Maybe it does deserve the win because it it fooled me. I mean, when you think about it, if you go, well, I didn't think there was any CGI in it. Well, then okay, then it's... 
done a good job of it then. Because Endgame definitely had CGI definitely that you knew about. Not, not Lion King was entirely yeah. CGI. Yeah. Nothing in Rise of Skywalker was real. <laughs> even its existence as a film. <laughs> not even the interest in that film. Didn't you like Matthew? Didn't you like Rise uh, of Skywalker? Uh, this is this is I think a different podcast, but I'll just say that I walked out of Rise of Skywalker. Just I enjoyed it. There were things okay. there were things wrong with it, and but I, I I enjoyed it, and I saw it a couple of times in the cinema. I, I enjoyed it. I have a question, and it's a broader question, and it has more to do with Academy Awards than anything. But um, what I am finding is that this film won three really quite important technical awards. But it didn't get a best picture. It didn't get, you know, a best director. Um, no actors were nominated for it. I don't believe. No. Um, no, I don't think they were actually. No. So yeah. my question is, does this film deserve to be on the best picture list? Is That's it? Is a good it, question. Is it? Is a purely technically wonderful film? Does uh does does that deserve to be on the best picture nomination list? I guess does it come down <laughs> to story? Well, that's the thing. I mean, thinking about it, I don't know if it's necessarily story, but I know that I definitely walked out of it feeling quite moved by it. Oh, and, yeah. And, may, and maybe that you know, depending on other people's sort of opinion, I mean, it's very subjective. But I feel like if you if a film can do that to you, where you're completely invested in it and you walk out of it going, that was incredible. And maybe it's just, it is a really, really good film. Maybe that's all all it needs. I mean, I certainly had a couple of times, certainly around the middle of the film, but the nighttime scene and the third act of the film where I literally sunk in my chair with my hands on my head. (laughs) Just like, oh my God. And that was the second time I saw the film. Yeah. Because I have seen it twice because the first time was such a poor experience. (laughs) Because I know, Matthew, you talked about seeing it twice. Steve, you've only seen it once? I've seen it once, yeah. Yeah. First time we saw it, I mean, we could do a whole other episode on cinema etiquette, oh, yeah. but my word, I don't know what is going on with society these days, but who talks and giggles and burps through a film like this? I'll tell you, the people sitting next to us, and it completely took me out of the film, th- multiple times throughout the film. Those Physi- people must have been really bad for you, have, for you to have had to go back and watch it a second time. And I am glad, oh yeah, it... It re- I mean, we talk about it. It's a single shot film. So yeah, you're so yeah. invested yeah. heavily and in, you're deep in it and you just get pulled out by, unfortunately, what is, you know, just part of going to the cinema mm, is that people. you get stuck next to people. You have to yeah. deal with people, which was kind of disappointing. So I was very glad that I went and saw it again on a much bigger screen mm. with much better sound. And this time I feel like even though I knew what was coming, there were moments in the film where I thought, oh, maybe it won't happen this time. <laughs> this sad thing that I know is about to happen or this dangerous thing they're about to go through. Maybe, there anything maybe that... they'll be okay this time. No yeah. one will get hurt. <laughs> and, but, and that's the thing. The fact that you were really egging them on the second time round. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you're not stupid. You know the film's not going to change. The fact that it was able to create that feeling, I think, is very impressive for a film to be able to yeah. achieve that. Was there anything to pick up a second time around? I feel like I came out of it and I'd, I'd, I'd enjoyed a, a full-grounded experience. I think maybe some of the dialogue. I picked up some mm-hmm. of the differences, some of the bits of dialogue that I'd missed the I, first time. Yeah, I, I definitely allowed myself to sort of get a little bit, sort, sort of look, not so much focus on what was happening, sort of the main focus in the film, maybe go, oh, what's happening over there? Like, what have they done lighting-wise over there? And be okay. a little more technical yeah. in, in looking at it. And that's just my own personal preference, obviously. I mean... I enjoyed the second time around maybe looking at it a little more um, technically and just sort of enjoying what, what they've created in terms of colour. So would you say so. that this, this film is probably a, a decent... 
if you're looking to learn some of the behind the scenes craft, mm. would this be a, a, a pretty good example of a film you could learn from? I, I think, it, unfortunately, it keeps, maybe it's a good thing it keeps coming back to it, but for cinematography, I think absolutely. Yeah. Maybe not so much for acting. The performances are, are fantastic in the film, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's a big acting film. Um, as as such, it is a it is a film of technical feats, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and you know, that's not to diminish it at all. I don't want to no, make it sound like that's a negative thing. But certainly, if you can look at it and go, okay, I can do something different with my camera, and you know, you can have the most expensive camera in the world, but if you're shooting very uninteresting shots, no one's going to really care. Well, Just that, and if you don't have the correct lights as well, that 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 whole film. The amount of lighting and, and and detail and rigging that must have mm. gone into that just to make I sure think that they they waited for they had to wait for the sun yeah. mostly most I of their time the, was being yeah. patient about when the sun I'm was going to be correct. I think a lot of the daytime stuff and I'm I'm sure they've done sky replacements, but I'm pretty sure a lot of the daytime stuff was shot with a lot of natural light. Yeah, even in that mm. circumstance, mm. you've got to have like people. Well, you've got to like, have reflectors and stuff yeah, as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But because um, the camera is moving around so much, you can't rig up yeah. <laughs> a giant Ari light somewhere pointing at your actors. You've got to be creative with reflectors. Old school, what you learn first mm. term of film school is how to use what you've got. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing sort of as a side note for me personally about this film is I think it made me really excited about film. To okay, sort of yeah, go, oh, look, yeah. what, look, what, look what they've done. They've kind of done like an indie film, but with a massive budget. <laughs> you know. So I guess if we could bring it back to, okay, we heard the trailer before. Mm. Did the film deliver what the trailer promised us? I think they were really clever in, at least officially, they never announced it was going to be the one shot. So you look at the trailer in a, in a world post Dunkirk and you go, great, this is another kind of Christopher Nolan style war survival film. I'm absolutely down. Roger Deakins is shooting it. Sam Mendes is directing from Skyfall. Fantastic. And then when you actually sit down to watch it, you go, you get that. But you also get this incredible journey that you're you're kind of invited along to to go with them on, even if you don't want to be there for some of the really uncomfortable bits. And it's quite an emotionally exhaustive, in a good way, emotionally exhaustive film. So I think I think the trailer did a really good job at not overselling the film, but giving you a taste and going, "Cool, I'd, I'd like to see that." And then the film just knocks your socks off. Mm. I think. Steve, for me, coming into it in the, in the reverse situation, having watched the film then the trailer, it, it it is as advertised. I would advise anyone that hasn't actually seen this film and hasn't actually seen the trailer to forego the trailer altogether. Mm. Go see the movie because it's, it's it's more it's it's a more complete experience. I feel like I, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time, and that's because I I I wasn't looking at trailer footage and then trying to pick out the beats that are in that trailer. Like, for example, like the first trailer they released, they start off with the ending, like one of the ending shots. It's <laughs> a good point, actually, yeah. It is. It's and the end I, of the film. I mean, I, I didn't realise that shot was going to be in the film and when you get to, you know, 10 minutes out from the end and what's his name, George is running along the trenches, that's um, that's an amazing shot. Mm. And the scoring obviously fits it so well when the orchestra just... The choreography, like, the yeah. choreography, like he's falling down, he's getting back up, he's running yeah. along. I think that would have been spoiled if I actually had gone and seen the, the trailer first. It's a good point you bring that up because... When that bit came along in the film, I went, oh, this is the bit from the trailer that, yeah. I've, that I've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. So I did have that in the back of my mind when it did come along. Yeah, it, would, it would possibly would have been, like you say, more effective to go, oh my God, what this is happening kind of thing without any, any prior knowledge of it. I do appreciate the fact that they didn't go out and film specifically for the trailer. Like they, they, Anything that's in that movie is included in the trailer. You're not going to... They don't misguide you at all exactly. with the trailer, do they? They go, this is the story. This is <laughs> yeah. what you can expect. 
these guys have got to go stop this attack. What are the consequences? 1,600 people are going to die. It's a war film. Go and see it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think that's what was promised to us, and that's really what we got. Um, and now being that we are on Trailer Island, out of five, let's go with coconuts this week. All right. Okay. Matthew, how many coconuts would you give tra- um, 1917? The film or the trailer? I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, let's say the film? Because the film's a final product, isn't it? The really? film is a yeah. final yeah. product. Yeah, the trailer is um, just the gateway into and it. And I think that if the trailer was misguiding or did a poor job of executing what the film was, mm. that can detract from your score. Yeah. I think so. And I think uh, I think I have to admit, without sounding... I know it's the first episode, so I, I feel like this, this isn't going to set a bad precedent. We will be objective about things. But I have to give it five coconuts, mm. I think, because I loved this movie. I'm going to give it four. And yeah. I'm going to tell you why. It's rewatchability. It's a bit like Gravity, because Gravity never worked for me the second time around. I think if I... I, 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 I get w- sweaty watching that film. <laughs> I, I don't have... I just don't think there'll be a situation where I sit down and go, I want to watch 1917 again. It's a perfectly amazing film, but it's one of those films where I'm like, yeah, I probably, I probably won't. If I, if I'm not forced to watch this again, I probably won't watch it again. Okay. I won't actively yeah. pursue a rewatch. I think for me, I mean, if I were to sit down and watch it again, it would have to be big sound, you know, yeah. big screen. If it was just sort of a, a sort of a standard viewing, like you would watch an, another film maybe on an afternoon, mm. I'd probably go, oh, no, I want to do this properly. Yeah. It's like it's kind of like a this. I'll make an evening out of it film. Okay. I think yeah. For me. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I know for me in terms of rewatchability is that I loved it the second time. I'm pretty sure when it comes out on Blu-ray, mm. I'm going to get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I don't know. Just for me, this I really connected with this film. Mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed everything that it did and how it told the story. Mm. Despite my concerns about it being one shot and sort of going, oh, it makes me nervous. <laughs> how are they going to do it? They did it so well. Yeah. That for me, I'm going to give it five as well. Mm. So 14 out of 15. It's not bad. It's not bad. Not bad at all. I think it's a good way to start. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask, I was just surfing Sam Mendes's pages. His pages. And he hasn't. He doesn't have a project in the works at the moment. Doesn't he? Okay. Nothing announced, at least. Yeah, he does do a lot of theatre work as well. I know, oh. I know after Skyfall, he went and I think he did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in London. Oh, right. Before, and then that's what... He had a break from film, and that's why he was able to be convinced to come back to Spectre. So maybe he's doing some theatre work now. I'm not sure. Well, I'd like to... Like, he's, he's definitely, like, one of the most solid working directors we've got mm. going around and, and at the moment. In recent years, he's definitely, like, sort of stepped up in terms of just the scale of his productions. Mm-hmm. I'd be um, tired, too, after making a film like that. Oh, yeah. I I, I, absolutely, yeah. I can't imagine it was easy to make. <laughs> the planning that went into that movie is is, is just ridiculous. That's yeah, 14 out of 15. Episode. 14 out of 15 coconuts. Thanks for listening. You can visit us on our website at trailerisland.com.au. Find us on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Is that right? Yeah, so yeah. far. I'm sure we'll add more as they come along. Visit our Facebook page, search for Trailer Island Podcast. You can send us an email via the website or Facebook. And, you know, if you've got a suggestion, we'll definitely act on it. And, of course, there is a Twitter. Yeah, at Island Trailer, because Trailer Island was already taken. Oh, we're going to have to find someone and deal with them. Yeah, yeah. we'll have to sort that out at that some point. That is unacceptable. Okay, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I've been Alex. I'm Matthew. And I'm Steve. And we'll see you next Wednesday on the next episode of Trailer Island. 